The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Kia ora katoa no mai haramai ki Dietary Requirements, the spin-offs food podcast. Each month we get together to talk about the social, environmental, political implications of what you eat uh, with some of the buzziest people in the food scene, core Simon Day Takawingawa, and I am your host, joined today by Alice Neville, the spin-offs food editor. Kia ora. And Sophie Gilmore and Odette Gilmore Holmes. <laughs> Kia ora. Nice to have a baby in the podcast room. Just mixing it up. Let's hope it stays quiet. Well, it's um, it's food focused for now. Odette is uh, munching away on a banana. Yep, watching Moana, which is also about growing food. Watching so Moana with a banana. Yeah. So Dietary Requirements is proudly supported by Visa Wellington on a Plate, which runs from August 1st to August 31st. How many days in August? Uh, it's a full month. Well, yeah, who knows? 30 days has it in April, June, and November. So, yep, 31. 31 you get an in extra August. day of mm-hmm. this incredible food festival. It's the largest food festival in the Southern Hemisphere. Special menus, some crazy burgers, delicious cocktails, and an incredible menu of live events from the Kapiti Coast across Wellington City, Porirua through the Hutt Valley, all the way to Wairarapa. You can get down with some amazing, amazing food. And it also features us. Dietary Requirements will be performing live on August 15 at the Parrot Dog Lyle Bay Brewery Bar. Uh, come on down. It's the Sunday after Beervana. You'll you'll be in. It's the perfect time for a little bit of a hangover, uh, some beers and some delicious food and some amazing chat. Love that we're performing. As yes, well. I know. Not that. recording. We are we're performing. So we're going to be talking to um, the parrot dog Mats about their tenth birthday. Ten years in the beer industry in New Zealand is no small feat. And then we're also going to be having a conversation about the future of hospitality Um, because right now it's a really important topic. I think COVID-19 has brought a number of issues to a head and it's this opportunity to to change the way hospitality works for the better. Uh, So join us Sunday, August 15 uh, to have those conversations and get on to Visa Wellington on a plate to book all your tickets for the amazing events. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So on that theme, 
On the theme of, 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 of Wellington uh, being a beautiful food city, I wanted to explore today with you two about what you think makes a great food city, what are some of your personal favorite food cities, and, and you know, what are some amazing cities around the world that kind of don't have that same uh, foodie, foodie vibe? Because I, um, I love Wellington's food vibe a lot. Mm. I wrote a piece about how it was um, my favourite food city, and I think I was having a Wellington moment. Um, <laughs> Are you taking it back? Or? No, I don't take it back. Okay. It's my favourite food city right now because it's the only food city I can really travel to. Yeah. Um, the, the funniest piece to me was people were really upset that I could possibly use toast as a thing that really draws me to Wellington, but fuck, I love toast. <laughs> and Wellington, well, it's, it's particularly customs, uh, Supreme's sort of cute little focal cafe. Uh, what, what street is it on? It's on... Um, oh, that little laneway one that's got Is it the... on Guzney? It's Guzney or one of those other ones. You'll find it. But they do, the, they do a toast menu and everything from the cinnamon and sugar to the, to the boiled egg toast is just absolutely delicious and my favourite way to start the day. We'll have to fit in a visit when we're down there. Oh, it's first place I stop. Every, and and every that's the little laneway where there's a bakery that does cookie. Lead Street Bakery. Yeah. Yep. Or the bakery mm-hmm. underground in that weird like atrium space, which is Starter, Starter. off Cuba Street. That's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that Wellington's definitely had some awesome little side hipster undergroundy joints, like yep. almost before Auckland did. Auckland's... Um, you know, really crawling with them now, but it's um, it's different, isn't it? Completely different mm. to Auckland. Like I, I don't get as much of a thrill out of Wellington's um, Asian market. Like it doesn't compare to Dominion Road for me, but mm-hmm. in all other respects, they do. I reckon they do that. Um, the sort of spot that I love the most, which is like in between high and low food. It's like yeah, really delicious but simple and approachable. They mm. do that really well. I grew up in Wellington, so it's hard for me to kind of see it like you guys see it as visitors. But I think it's the compact inner city is what's really great about Wellington. And yes, just the general vibe, less wankiness than than Auckland. Um, You don't get your... Do you mean the people or the restaurants? Both. There's something about that, and I think it's led to a more collaborative... Yeah. food scene in Wellington. People work with each other on stuff uh, a lot more, and I, 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 really, I really love that. Mm-hmm. But I also think Auckland is a great food city as well. Yeah, me too. I think it has some... It's um, got everything you might want now. Yeah. But it has some really obvious issues as well. I think it's oversaturated. I think um, mm-hmm. there's too much mediocre um, offerings. But the, the good Auckland... Uh, Eating, drinking, coffees is really, really good now. And yeah. it's come such a long way in the last 20, 10, 5 years and in different evolutions as, it, as it's gone um, through that. And I think it does high-low really well. I think, like Sophie said, Dominion Road and well, not just Dominion Road either, our, um, our ethnic offering from our uh, immigrant diaspora is incredible. Yep. Um, although I wish we had better Vietnamese food. Yeah, we've always um, paled in comparison to, say, Australia on that. I think it's just 
a smaller community. Maybe. Yes, that's, I think that's, that's been, been the same with Greek and yeah. um, Mediterranean, hasn't it? That try it out place in um, Otahuhu is everyone's favourite yep. um, Vietnamese, and mm. I just um, Leisha from my team went out and did, included it in our newsletter this week. Yeah, I've and been there. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I used to go to Hansen quite a lot, but it was like ten dollars and reasonably average. Ponsonby Food Court has really good Vietnamese. I love that Mekong Vietnamese. Do you I, know what? I think if you are dedicated enough, you can find yeah. anything. Like there's regional cuisine from the provinces of China and Auckland. You know, yeah. like you see it on that Lazy Susan Facebook page, people going really deep on really specific stuff. Mm. And that's very true as well. The more you get to know a city, the more you get to know its, um, its hidden secrets and those really beautiful, traditional, often family-run uh, joints that are just very, very strong rep- representations of certain places. Mm-hmm. What's uh, your favourite food city site outside of New Zealand? Uh, Bologna. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that was <laughs> obvious. Uh, that, the, the relationship I have with Bologna is very much driven by uh, the relationship I have with Stefania from Pasta Core. Yeah. Um, but then because she, I, I told her we're going on our honeymoon she to, opened the door. to Bologna and she gave me a list of these places to go. And we were having, you know, it was like we'd wake up in the morning and go, should we, should we go to that church? And it was like, nah, let's stay in bed till lunch and go and get some pasta. Yeah. And it was like pasta at 11.30, pasta at 2.30, gelato at 4.00. <laughs> Pasta at six and then pasta at eight. Yeah. I put on 11 kgs in a three-week trip it's to Europe. I think it's quite interesting too because some food cities just make you work a bit harder than others. Like we went to Rarotonga last year and if you don't make a profit effort to search out the delicious food, you can easily eat terribly. Yeah. You know, like it's sometimes you have to do so. We were like, we'd buy papaya from the petrol station and squeeze lime juice on that and have it for breakfast mm. and it was Fucking delicious. And then we'd have ikamata for lunch every day. But if you tried to eat, like, the stuff that they're just rolling out that they think tourists want, or there's, like, 25 fish and chip shops there, you could actually eat badly. So you've got to be quite dedicated too, don't you? Tourism's really interesting. Tourism can be both the making of a food city but also its its downfall. Just down the road from Bologna is uh, Florence, Mm. like a two-hour train ride, and it's a lot more popular with uh, tourists than um, Bologna. But its food is... It's great food is hard to find. Mm. Everything is a laminated menu and it's uh, translated into English for American tourists. And it's people trying to make money as uh, quickly as they can and they're probably doing quite well. But the food is like six out of ten Italian. That's like I remember backpacking around Europe and every single city has the same laminated menu with the same ten things on it. Like banana it, pancakes and shit. Yeah, know, there spaghetti was bolognese and like... You know, mm. things that even people in Bologna don't eat and it's just absolutely everywhere all over the world. But I think sometimes it's actually nice when you go somewhere and there isn't shitloads of choice. Like I found New York um, quite intimidating because yeah. I literally want to go to 50 places and some of them have been glamorised in one way or another um, because the person that went there really loved it. But you have to kind of block out the noise and decide Mm. what it is that, you know, like I got really obsessed with going to the authentic Jewish delis last time we were there. Yeah. And so we went like up to the um, Upper West Side and went to Zabar's and you'd go in and it just looks like a fuddy-duddy old supermarket. But I 
loved being able to do that and that's like not something that you could do. And I mean, there's a bunch of probably billion dollar, super expensive restaurants in New York as well. Mm. So kind of depends what you're up for. It's why having people there to give you inside knowledge or people who have been and have, you know, developed a comprehensive list is a good way to go. It makes such a difference, eh? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Beth, for your um, Tasmania map. That's awesome. Oh, I need to get that for our listener, Sarah, um, who messaged the Dietary Requirements Instagram. We will We will find a way to share that with, with the squad. I also mm. remembered the name of the uh, Hobart food walking tour. Oh, what oh, yeah. is it? Gourmania. Okay. And I also think that's an under-tapped uh, idea for good food cities is having yep. a curated uh, offering that is just focused on food. Yeah. Is there one in Auckland? Yep. Is it good? I don't know. I Probably, reckon we could I do a really Jennifer, good one. Jennifer Collinson used to do, or maybe still does one. Peter Mathias is doing one at the moment, and there's also, um, was it called Eat Auckland? There was yeah. a woman that got in touch with me last year that was selling that one. I reckon a little minibus and um, have someone driving you around, have a, have a host... Uh, drop you off in a few places, do a, do a market, do Dietary a... Dietary requirements, food tour of Auckland next year. I mean, year. it would just be a sellout, wouldn't it? Yeah. From one place to the next. swamped. And also, I quite like the idea of having like a snack and a little bevy in each stop. Yeah. Absolutely. You'd be like, like completely you... full and a bit drunk at the end. Imagine Perfect. the reviews and then make everyone write a review before they go home. Yeah. I'm into it. So a place that I have always been sort of disappointed by, other than it's boulangeries, is Paris. I lived in Paris for 18 months. Mm. Um, off the smell of an oily rag. Off the, off the smell of a kebab. Mm. Um, but Every it, menu and every restaurant is exactly the same. And, and <laughs> I think that is another place that suffers from tourism, but then if you get, um, if you get those local recommendations, you can find uh, great food. But to me, it hasn't got a food a really distinct, clear personality. No, um, they're kind of snobby about food because um, haute cuisine was French, so they like think that they own the most sophisticated food in the world, whereas I think our palates have kind of moved away from that. It's too rich, mm. it's too much. It's I don't think the average French or Parisian person is like that, though. Like I, when I, I went to Paris, spent a couple of days in Paris in 2019 yeah. and hung out with my old flatmate, Maywin, who I lived with in London, mm-hmm. who is French and now lives in Paris. And she works in hospice, so we just went around to really cool places. And she certainly has no interest in, you know, being like, let us go and eat Blanc. the haute cuisine. <laughs> Duck, we went to like this great seafood place, with, like there. lobster rolls. Oh my God, I was just about to say, I um, we caught up with some friends that um, were living in Amsterdam um, and they had done like a little food itinerary. I thought, I, I hadn't recognised the update, I should say. So we went and it was like all these super trendy young people, like mm. all this natural wine. It's like, it's it's moved in the last yeah, few years. Yeah, they've got very good little natural wine bars, good craft beer. Yeah. I was there for like two days and was really jet lagged, but I still, and I was by myself, which was quite fun. Yeah. For me, the big breakthrough was uh, them lifting their coffee game as well. Yeah. I've always found it so interesting that, Europeans have presented this facade uh, of um, like sophisticated coffee drinkers. It's special. Hmm. And they don't even like, I've, I've been in French cafes where they don't even press 
the coffee and... Oh, yeah, so they don't tamp it before they extract it. And it's, it can be. I've had the worst coffee of my life in like Italy and France. Yeah, yes. It's I, traditionally I been terrible. But if you have black, it's normally better than when they, start espresso, adding, yeah. um, when they start adding milk to it, it gets pretty jazzy. Mm. Yeah, I've been like in what are, what are good cafes and it's like the equivalent of the office sort of push yeah. the button to make a cappuccino coffee mm. machine and that's that's quite weird. And a gross cafe au lait where you like dip your croissant in it, that's... That's foul. And often they use UHT milk, which is just, it's not a good time. They love that long-life milk. And they, all Europe loves that long-life milk, long milk. I do love, though, the European idea of um, standing at the bar for a quick caffeine yep. update. Um, Less of a takeaway Oh, culture. standing room only. Yeah, I like yeah, that. Well, you get, to, you get a, you get, it's cheaper as well if you mm. don't take up a um, seat at a table. Yeah. So you get a, um, you get a discount on the... Um, on, on the, the, the serve by being efficient. Yeah. Alice, do you have a favourite food city in the whole entire world? Um, what pops to mind for me is Hanoi in Vietnam. Oh, oh my gosh. So, you just so like, delicious. You can't, you're tripping over delicious food and it's so cheap. That was the best food holiday of my life, yeah. Vietnam. And I found, even though I don't eat meat, it was kind of fine. I'm not too, like I eat fish and I'm not too fussy and I didn't, they have su- such a vegetable and herb forward food culture yeah. that so fresh, and I could just be like, and they understand they have a word for vegetarian. I think it's che because of certain Buddhist holidays. You know they don't eat, eat meat, so they kind of got the concept, and they just say, like, yeah, sure, we just leave the meat out. Yeah, great. Yeah. God, such good food. And so Hanoi's food is you're eating so often. Um, Western cities, you're. Experience is defined by the immigrant communities, yeah. like pizza and, and Jewish uh, food in New York, like mm-hmm. that we talked about, and or Italian and Greek in in Melbourne. When you go to Hanoi, you're going for a really authentic yeah. Vietnamese experience, definitely. Yeah, I just, Hanoi was my like top of the list, mm. saving for a holiday, and then COVID nineteen. One day, I think that's what I, I'm. So far, really enjoying about this conversation is we can't travel right now. Yeah, yeah. My mouth is watering over the idea of going somewhere yeah. for a uh, for a food trip, and it's so inaccessible at the moment. Mm. I'm obsessed with the idea of going to Tokyo and eating all the ramen. I've never been to yeah. Tokyo. It looks like such a wicked place. I, yes, that's another great food city that I would like to go back to because I found it quite hard. That's one that's not great for vegetarians. And also I was travelling with a celiac, so we were just a fucking nightmare. <laughs> vegetarian <laughs> we, we tried to go to get ramen. It was just like, oh, my God. What an iconic duo yeah. for them. I love what Japanese um, cities do as well, is do one thing really well. Yeah. Like you go to a ramen place and mm. they do like four different types and mm. they're not doing anything more than that really beautiful short menu. Yeah. You know, it's like sliding paper door, really dark. Uh, or somewhere like uh, Hiroshima where they do incredible okonomiyaki mm, mm. and oh, travelling through Japan for food is, is so much fun. It is I fun. can't, I haven't really travelled through Italy much, but I would I would really struggle to find something that I would like more, I think. I just, I'm yeah. obsessed with that three flavours on the plate, beautifully executed Vegetables cooked to kind of taste their best. I I want to take six months a year off and do like a sabbatical in, in Italy. 
That'd be good. Write a book about Italian food, maybe. I don't know. Would you take your children? I would. And I'd want to take them when they're young enough to, like, I don't know, I don't know not be too annoying. Yeah. But what? There, when's that? I don't know. I think they get. They're the, always. I think they're annoying. almost at their peak in terms of you being able to enjoy yourself in a restaurant, but then they go the other way. You know? Yeah, then they get real annoying. Then become like 13-year-olds. and Maybe when they're like 10. No, oh, yeah, well, depends, like, yeah, yeah. 10 would be fine. And you can still get a babysitter at night. You know, I think... Um, Maybe, no, more than that, I would want a, as part of my sabbatical, living in Bologna, I'd want a, um, whatever the Italian word for au pair is. Yes, yeah, that would be fab, wouldn't it? I just want to second my children to someone else. Also, because we're never going to be able to afford this, maybe we just all go together and split it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'd move into an apartment with you in Bologna, Sophie. (laughs) Start start a commune. Yeah, I mean, why not? Oh, my God, this... Um, Odette's making some, like, exorcist noises down there. I think she's endorsing the idea of becoming Italian. (laughs) She wants to come to Bologna. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello for Lover. I'm Madeline Chapman, editor at The Spin-Off. If you have the means, consider supporting our high-quality journalism by becoming a Spin-Off member. Sign up now at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. Sophie, do you have a favourite food city in the whole entire world? I've probably enjoyed the food in um, Vietnam and in New York the most. I really... I find New York's just like a huge international food city. Yeah. You know, there's no one thing that you could have, but they do um, Italian really well. They do – we we actually went to a couple of their fancier joints. We went to their Japanese joints, you know. Mm -hmm. There was quite a few different things that – I don't know. I kind of came out and was like, I feel like we nailed that. Yeah. But I think I – do you know what? The the one thing that I'm constantly reminded of when I get home is that we have really world-class food here. So they've just got way more to choose from. And, um, you know, like I was obsessed when I was in Los Angeles as well, like going around trying all the things. And mm. it's it hardly ever disappoints because they've got so much more of a population than us. Exactly, yeah. When yeah. you have that um, ability to – keep heaps of great places alive because you've just got enough money yeah. uh, to do it, I think it makes a big difference. Like, I think it's a big part of our current crisis, although hospitality around the world is um, is struggling. But that idea that we only have X amount of people able to go out for dinner or, or you know, or even coffee uh, enough to keep amazing places alive. Well, when you were saying before that we have quite a lot of mediocrity here, I think that we are over oversaturated for our population. It's really, that's part of this crisis that we're going through, right? No one can find staff because we've got too many restaurants for, and cafes for the number of people that we've got. What have been some surprise food cities for you, Alice? Surprise food cities... 
um, God, it's been so long since I travelled. I can't think of any. I had a Oamaru really... is pretty good. Really? Yeah. Great cafe, great food store, really good restaurant. Steampunk. Really good brewery. Yeah, um, the brewery's great. The um, Italian restaurant's great. Oh, yeah. I have That's buzzy. That. What do you think it is about Oamaru that has created that environment where something like a small, vibrant scene like that can take off and then uh, survive? I don't know. You wonder um, whether it's the... It's kind of... It's the town for the surrounding rural area, isn't it? So lots of farmers and young farmers. There's also lots of subdivision there. So people going into new homes, which is younger people as well. I guess population... Like, we're just getting driven out of the cities, aren't we? Because it's so expensive. Hamilton's pretty good food city. That was a bit of a surprise to me. Is it? Love the prom. <laughs> I know. I, you, you'd surely agree with this, that East Hamilton has a, you know, every day it's, it's getting a little bit more exciting and a bit better. And I'm happy to celebrate anywhere that produced Duck Island. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I, and I think Hamilton East, what you're talking about, is, has got some cool stuff happening for sure. So I was really blown away by Chengdu. Um, yeah. it has the most, it was when I first tried hot pot. Yeah. And it like. Interesting Chinese hot pot, isn't it? The first time you have it, it's quite odd. It's if you're not used on. to it. It was yeah. so hot and also had that Sichuan, um, mouth numbing as yeah. well. On the menu, the menu translation, it was one of those iconic, uh, badly translated menu. I love those. Because it just listed all the different things you can put into your hot pot. Yeah. And one thing was a urinating bull's penis. Oh, yeah. yeah. Delicious. So just, like, really, it must have been like cut off right in the moment of, his, uh, yeah. of the D. But incredible, incredible food. Um, and another place that really surprised me was Belgrade. Uh, really? The baking, like the little carts oh, yeah. with the glass, yeah. like really beautiful, cheesy, um, seeded, uh, like reminds me of cheese twists from from places like Daily Bread. Oh, it was that. Kind of like Eastern European bread. I, um, I, I spent a lot of time in Belgrade because I got stuck there when my suitcase got stolen and my passport got stolen. So it was pretty... Um, it was pretty regular for us to get up and hit one of those bakery stands. I like can't I had good food in like Budapest and Bratislava because it was all like the only vegetarian food was just like sort of delicious, stodgy, cheesy things. And I was there in January. Interestingly, on my exchange in Prague, it was another one that um, the food's not obviously good, but if you go hunting, you can mm, find what yeah. you're looking for. Like I had one Thai restaurant that I loved. I had one. Sushi place that I loved. I had, um, you know, there was a dessert shop that people loved. You know, sometimes it's when there's just one of each thing. Yeah. And that person does it well. It kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. But um, in Denmark, I couldn't afford to <laughs> go to any of the restaurants. So basically followed Simon's lead. He was there the year before me and just ate a hell of a lot of falafel kebabs. Ooh, Which yeah. were really top-notch falafel kebabs. Again, based on a really strong... Um, Turkish mm. uh, and Middle Eastern diaspora in, in Denmark. But I felt, I've, as my one regret with Denmark, because I'd love to, especially Copenhagen. Copenhagen is a world-class food city. Big except time. I haven't eaten any of it, yeah. even <laughs> though I lived there for a year. Yeah. Because it is a really, really expensive place to live. Mm. And I was so broke. I think I went to a pizza restaurant in um, Copenhagen. I remember being very hungover the whole time I was in Copenhagen. So really when my 
previous listen, uh, long-term listeners m- might know that there's a really great Australian restaurant <laughs> yeah. in uh, Copenhagen, oh, that's right. where I was fired from. So in, when I so I just talked about losing my suitcase at a music festival in Serbia and then finally being reunited with it, um, not with the suitcase, sorry, with the insurance money, and we were living in Copenhagen, and we could not have been more stoked. So in the meatpacking district in Copenhagen, there's this cool place called Jolene. It's like... I feel like I went there, maybe. Probably. Yeah. And it's like next to a restaurant that did really great bistro sort of style food in the middle of the table for anyone. Anyway, I just shouted everybody that I knew. <laughs> dinner, we went to Jolie for the night. It was like we got to be one of the Danes for the night. Nice. So maybe that made it even more delicious. Yeah. I love what you end up using your insurance money on when you're overseas. <laughs> it's never the thing you're supposed to. Yeah, I mean, it was probably gone in a week, but we had yeah. a nice time. Didn't, didn't, like, buy all the stuff you lost? Just lived in a third of the yes. um, wardrobe for the that yeah, year? Yeah, I think that so. That works well. So I think um, despite our inability to travel, it's made me really, well, not not despite of, because of our inability to travel, it's made me really grateful for what we have here in mm. uh, New Zealand and what Auckland does offer. And we're so lucky to see new places popping up while the rest of the world, um, you know, is under really intense restrictions for how their hospitality works. What about Sydney again right now, which actually Sydney needs a shout out. What an epic food city. Such an amazing food city. Again, that um, that immigrant population, that the the sort of post, not it's not super traditional. The modern um, Italian in Sydney is, is oh my exceptional. gosh, yeah, that's like no other. I think there's probably ten great Italian restaurants that I can think of in Sydney. Yeah, I haven't spent much time in Sydney at all, but I would like to go there and eat all the food when um, COVID allows it. And and like how much that must hurt the hospitality industry to be locked down. Mm. Again, that is, I think it's that uncertainty. Yeah, um, that must be really, really hard. Uh, but that, but where I was going as a way to wrap up the conversation is there's a huge obligation now. I think for foodies to endorse what we have here. There's yeah. an opportunity to really back your uh, your amazing local industries. And that's exactly why you should get involved in Wellington on a Plate, an incredible food festival, really taking it to the max. So as Odette about, is about to lose the plot, I'm very excited to lose the plot in Wellington hey. uh, for a whole month. Um, come see us on August 15. Shout out to the spin-off members. We wouldn't be here without you. Go subscribe to all the pods on the Spin-Off Podcast Network. And uh, book your tickets for Wellington on a plate. We Looking look, forward to it. Look forward to seeing you all there. Yeah. Can you say bye, Odette? Kakite. Kia ora tu te aihi butler for recording yeah. us, making us sound lovely Thank despite. Thank you so much for editing. Many <laughs> <laughs> Took me a bit on today. Yes. <laughs> I think it's endearing. Bye, Moana. Yeah, exactly. True that. Bye, Moana. Bye, Moana. Say bye. Kia ora e te iwi, te Ahe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.